From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. So the president gave a speech this week to a joint session of Congress. Did he talk about taxes? You bet he did. We're going to get rid of the loopholes, allow Americans to make more than a million dollars a year and pay a lower tax rate on their capital gains than Americans who receive a paycheck. We're only going to affect three-tenths of one percent of all Americans by that action. Three-tenths of one percent. And the IRS is going to crack down on millionaires and billionaires who cheat on their taxes. It's estimated to be billions of dollars by think tanks that are left, right, and center. I'm not looking to punish anybody. But I will not add a tax burden, additional tax burden, to the middle class in this country. They're already paying enough. I believe what I propose is fair, fiscally responsible. So that number, three-tenths of one percent, it sounds small, but in a country the size of the U.S., that's a lot of people. And for those folks, the tax implications of Biden's proposals are pretty huge. The president wants to almost double the federal capital gains tax rate and also remove a tax break on assets transferred to an heir at death. But, somewhat surprisingly, President Biden would not make any changes to the estate tax. What would all this mean for people who might be subject to this tax? To find out, we spoke with Brad Dillon, a senior wealth strategist at UBS Group AG in New York City. Brad spoke with Bloomberg Tax's Allison Versprill on Thursday morning about how he's advising his high net worth clients to prepare for a potential rewrite of the tax code, but also about how he's recommending that they not overprepare. The biggest changes, of course, uh, that came out were the capital gains rate, of course, is going is the proposal is the 39.6% plus the 3.8% net investment income tax. So that's a very big jump. I think that everyone was sort of prepared for that, though. Biden campaigned on that number. Uh, everyone sort of, as soon as the Georgia runoff elections um, were held and the, the contest was won by the two Democrats there, and there were enough votes for a majority in, in, the, um, in the Senate, everyone in my world sort of ramped up and said, all right, taxes are going up. So we were prepared for a number. It was a little, still a little bit of a sticker shock to see the number sort of formally proposed like that. Um, but I think that, you know, that, that's one of the biggest things. The other big thing, of course, was the estate tax, um, the potential for the estate tax to, to be significantly changed. We, we had some indications, of course, from Biden on the campaign trail that he suggested 2009 levels, which would have brought the all-time historic exemptions the amount that you can give away gift tax free during your life down from 11.7 to maybe three and a half million dollars or so. We were really worried about that, of course, until it was leaked that the proposal would not include changes to the estate tax. Um, so that was quite a surprise for a lot of us, including myself. Uh, it, sounds, it seems like Joe Biden didn't want to pick a fight with uh, Joe Manchin there, and he wants to push this through as quickly as possible. Those are two of the big sort of things that we were all paying close attention to. And of course, uh, since the estate tax wasn't touched uh, in, as a trade-off, the elimination of the step-up in basis, not so much an elimination, just in a, a change. Right. And so let's stick up uh, or stick to the stepped up in basis change for people who are listening who might not necessarily know what stepped up basis is. Could you maybe give them uh, kind of a easy explainer on what that does? <laughs> of course. Of course. It's one section of the Internal Revenue Code, Section 1014, which says that when you die, the assets that you hold at death, their basis gets 
stepped up to their fair market value as of the date of death. What is the basis? Think of it when you buy a stock, for example. Maybe you buy a share of uh, XYZ stock for $10. Before, by the time you die, maybe that stock is appreciated to $100. So your basis in that stock is what you bought it at, $10. The fair market value is $100. If you were to die holding that stock with a fair market value of $100, under current law, the basis of $10 is stepped up to $100, which means that when you're thinking of what the built-in gain is, it's not the $90 anymore from the difference between 100 and 10. Now it's 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 wash. The, the, the built-in gain is wiped out since the basis is now equal to the fair market value. So effectively, the heirs can go and sell the share of XYZ stock in that example and pay no capital gain tax whatsoever on it because there's no built-in gain anymore. Death effectively wipes out all of the gain of uh, appreciated assets. And so, so that's it's a really key component of, of doing estate planning. We obviously want clients uh, to die holding assets with a low basis when there's a lot of built-in gain so that the built-in gain is completely wiped away at death. So we, we think very uh, critically about uh, and strategically about what assets certain clients hold, particularly in married couple. If there's one uh, couple, one spouse that has a terminal illness, for example, we might start shifting those low basis assets from either joint assets or both you know, the other spouse to that spouse with a terminal illness so that he or she can die with them and get all of the capital gain wiped out at death. Um, the, the, the proposal, it isn't 100% clear. It isn't clear if it's going to be either a carryover basis, which means that instead of a change of basis to the fair market value, the basis would be the same in the hands of the uh, beneficiaries that inherited the asset as it was in the hands of, of the decedent. So no change, but when that beneficiary goes and sells it, sells the asset, their basis will be unchanged, and so there'll be a large built-in gain. They'll have to pay that capital gain tax on that. So that's one option. The other option is that we treat death as that realization event, that we treat it as having effectively sold all of your assets on the date of your death so that all of that built-in gain is realized at death and the decedent or on the final income tax return of that decedent, you'll have to realize and, and pay taxes on that, that appreciation. I think it's likely the latter, though, of course, I just want to point out that this is, you know, all of these things that we're hearing from President Biden, the proposals that were, came out yesterday morning, all of those are just that. They're proposals. They're all going to be subject to various negotiations in Congress. Um, but I, I, I believe that we're not, we're not thinking about a carryover basis regime. We're, we're looking maybe at a realization at death event. The reason I think that is because, you know, in Biden's proposal, we see a couple of places where he's saying, well, um, for example, if you have a family-owned business, we will we'll wait to tax that until it's actually sold. Or if you have, uh, if you're married, we'll wait until the second spouse's death for the assets to be considered sold. So we're seeing a little bit of detail come out there that makes me believe that the treatment is going to be at death. There's a realization of it. So let's talk about stepped-up basis versus you know, raising the estate tax. I think, you know, both hit generational wealth and a lot of people have talked about it. And the way that you mentioned it is kind of a trade-off. Um, you know, obviously under the Biden plan, stepped-up basis, there's an exemption for unrealized gains up to $1 million for individuals, um, up to $2.5 million for married couples when you factor in real estate exemptions. Can you talk about, you know, what's more impactful to your clients? Would they prefer these estate tax increases versus this change to stepped up basis? 
It's such a great question, Allison. I, you know, the first thing I want to point out is they may not, it, their preference may not matter at all. Under current plan, it seems like they will, many clients will get hit with both an estate tax and an income tax at death. So both of those taxes will be uh, a really a, a kind of hit to their wealth. Um, whereas right now they just get an estate tax hit, not an income tax uh, hit at death. And so if there was a choice though, if we were really choosing between this trade-off of which one clients might prefer, that's going to really also depend on what the uh, the capital gains rate, where it ends up at. If it really ends up at 39.6% and we're looking at places like New York and California where the effective rate with their state income taxes is above 50%, then they're going to they're gonna definitely prefer the estate tax. The federal estate tax is currently 40%. In New York and uh, we, other states and a few other states, we have a state level estate tax. And so it ends up being around 50%. Um, in California, there's no state level estate tax, so it's just a 40% rate. So you'll obviously rather pay in California, for example, 40% rather than above 50%. So that trade-off is clear. In New York, it's a 50% versus slightly above 50%. So that trade-off becomes less clear and a little bit murkier. But it's going to be interesting. There's not going to be a, a, a national sort of uniform preference amongst clients. It's going to be very state-by-state state specific, especially depending on where these capital gains rates uh, end up. Well, and so, you know, let's talk a bit more about that then. Is there any, I guess, how does this impact planning decisions? Um, Is there anything that you're advising clients to do right now? Or is this a moment to kind of step back a little bit and and maybe be patient and see how the process plays out? It's it's funny. I, we've been in ultra high drive mode with clients since the election of last year of trying to say, hey, hurry up, shift as much of your wealth off your balance sheet as possible. Why do we think that, by the way, just a quick note on that is is the IRS comes along at your death, right, and takes the sum total of all that you own. So they, your investment accounts, your cars, your jewelry, your homes, your everything, your insurance, your IRAs, they take all of that, they take the sum total, that's the pie of your wealth. My job in the state planner is to shrink that pie of wealth by the time of your death so that the IRS's slice is smaller. There's nothing illegal about that, we just shift assets into trust that benefit the children or the family in some way, move it off the balance sheet so those assets aren't subject to the estate tax. We immediately shrink that pie of wealth. Um, and we use the exemptions, these all-time high exemptions, to be able to do that. So right now, a married couple can shift $23.4 million off their balance sheet without the inc- incurring any gift tax a- at all. And so that advice has remained unchanged. We've been pushing clients you know, well before the election of last year, since the election of last year, since the Georgia runoff elections. And I think that uh, the urgency now seems to have died down a little, of course, since Biden has said that he, President Biden has said that he doesn't want to uh, mess with the estate tax regime just yet. And so, you know, maybe the urgency has died down a little, but the advice still remains unchanged. I'm still going to be pushing clients every single day to utilize these exemptions before they expire, which are already set to expire under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. They're set to expire at the end of 2025. So we know we have these sort of ultra large exemptions to use to, to really shrink that pie of wealth now. But to your point, with regard to the step up and basis, I'm going to wait around and see on that one. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be telling clients to necessarily do anything just yet. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think there's still a lot of room in Congress um, and committee and the Joint uh, uh, Taxation Committee in the Senate to really change these rules and and do a, a swap again because. 
doing away with the step up and basis rules requires a lot of tweaks throughout the code. That change will have reverberations, you know, really throughout the, uh, an effect throughout the entire internal revenue code. And so that's going to be a hard section to deal with, I think, versus just, you know, going back to Congress and saying, we already have an estate tax regime. Why don't we just change the rates and change the exemption amounts? That's easy. Meanwhile, we have to deal with, you know, trillions of dollars of legislation to, to get in healthcare and infrastructure and all those things and other huge tax changes, international corporate tax changes. That's really complex stuff. But here we already have this estate tax regime. Maybe we can tweak it and that'll be easy versus figuring out a whole new um, basis regime at death. So I'm still waiting and seeing on that one. I think that the jury's still on what, where that's going to end up. And so I'm not necessarily telling clients to do anything just yet about that. Got it. So it sounds like you you don't have complete comfort that the estate tax isn't going to get touched here. That Congress may go ahead and and put that back into the bill uh, when this you know heads over to the Hill. I think it's a possibility. I think anything's a possibility right now. I, I you know, but I think that. President Biden was looking at Joe Manchin and from West Virginia, the senator from West Virginia, the Democratic senator from Arizona, Kirsten Sinema. I think he was looking at those two and saying he didn't want to pick a fight. Um, but it may turn out that a change in basis at death uh, may pick more fights. And I think we're going to see that in the coming weeks and what kind of fights they pick in Congress. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this was a great discussion. Appreciate you taking time. Thanks for having me. That was Brad Dillon, a senior wealth strategist at UBS Group AG in New York City, speaking with Bloomberg Taxes' Allison Versprill. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you just heard or about really anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. The killers of Berta Caceres had every reason to believe they'd get away with murder. Her work as an environmental activist won her the admiration of celebrities in California, politicians in Washington, and the indigenous communities she worked alongside in Honduras. It also earned her powerful enemies. On a new podcast from Bloomberg Green, Blood River follows a four-year quest to find Berta Caceres' killers. Join journalist Monty Real and the team from Bloomberg Green as they untangle false leads and mishandled evidence, taking listeners deep into a sector of international development that's marked by high-level corruption and rampant violence. Blood River debuts Monday, July 27th on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.